Welcome back to Franklin Covey's On Leadership series. By now you know, my name is Scott Miller and I serve as your weekly host and interviewer each week. Now, most weeks we typically have a guest either live in the studio or on the screen behind me where we're talking about a very particular subject that they've authored a book around. Not always, but typically we have a best-selling author, a scientist, a researcher, a CEO. Other weeks we talk with someone like a, a, a four-star general or someone who's just spent a lot of time researching and has earned some you know, well-deserved reps on a topic. Today is kind of the best of all. It's super exciting that we have the famed star and Chief Brand Officer of WWE, Stephanie McMahon, joining us. Stephanie, welcome to On Leadership. Hi. Such an honor to have you here. I think, um, I think our entire sales force is tuning in right now because there's such fans. I had one client partner, Cindy Levy, in Minnesota who wanted to fly here and be on set for your interview because she knows your entire history. So the stakes wow, are high. so cool. It's very cool. It's very cool. My, yes, my, my three boys, um, <laughs> ages five, seven, and nine, cannot believe that I'm interviewing you today. So I'm a and star in their boys mind. boys and girls are mixed? They're just boys. Three boys. Yep. Well, I have three girls. I know. So, I know. Yep. 12, 10, and 8. I know. We'll get to some parenting tips at the end. Fair enough? Okay. Yes, for okay. sure. I first want to start and talk a bit about WWE. I want to mention some stats to you, and I hope they're right. 560 live events in 2018, just shy of a billion dollars in annual revenue. You're a public company. Just shy of eight, or rather $8 billion in market cap. Your stock price has doubled in a year. WWE has over a billion with a B, social followers. Your YouTube channel ranks as the third most viewed in the world, and 101,000 people attended a recent WrestleMania in Arlington, Texas. Why? What is your team getting right? <laughs> um, well, I think that it's, you know, it's a lot of different reasons, but first and foremost, you know, we are storytellers. And we create content that resonates with audiences all over the world. We're in 180 countries and 27 different languages. And um, we try our best to give our audience what they want. You know, we're a media company. We're also a live event and consumer product company. Actually, all of our lines of business are really more akin to Disney than anything else. But um, at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're great content. There's a lot of great content out there. Um, we're very engaging. We empower our fan base because without our fans, we really don't have a show. We don't have a business. Um, we have incredible talent. We have an incredibly talented um, employee base here. I mean, everybody just works so hard. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, I think at our core, what matters most is that we're a brand of purpose and value. Um, it's our mission to put smiles on people's faces the world over. That's it, whether it's through our content or it's by giving back to the community. And, um, and I think that that really matters. Uh, and, and it's not, you know, just because it's the right thing to do, you know, because, oh, that's what, you know, millennials or Gen Z are looking for. It's because it's truly who we are. And I could tell you countless stories um, of impact that, that we've had the privilege of making on people's lives uh, the world over. And, um, and that's what it's really all about to me. 
So Stephanie, you have an interesting persona because you have a, you're an on-screen talent. We'll talk about more, more about that. And you're also a corporate officer, chief brand officer. And we'll explore that as well today. I first want to reach that last final person living in a cave somewhere in Afghanistan that's not familiar with WWE. Kind of give us a sense for the breadth of your brand operations. You're more than just wrestling. Kind of orient the world now to what is WWE and why you're so passionate about it and why they should become passionate. Sure. So again, um, a lot of people have a preconceived notion about what professional wrestling is. Um, and that's why the storytelling piece is so important because it's no different than a great book, movie, play, opera, ballet, you name it. It's protagonist versus antagonist with conflict resolution. Um, and the only difference is that our conflicts are settled inside a 20 by 20 foot ring with some of the greatest live action that you can see in sports or entertainment. Uh, but it's not just our core content. And we did just uh, renegotiate our core rights in the US. Um, our partners are NBCU and soon to be Fox as of October 4th, um, because we produce you know, five hours of live content at a minimum uh, every year, 52 weeks a year live, no off season, no rerun, um, which is a tremendous value for our partners to continuously stay engaged with our consumers. They can come in and out of our programming however they wish. Um, again, we are a global brand. We are, you know, as you mentioned, over 560 live events every year. So again, there's local retail activation opportunities for partners with us. Um, there's way to reach your consumer, no matter where they live, um, in a very intimate and upfront and personal way. Uh, we're a billion dollar brand at retail. Uh, we have a studios business where we just recently announced um, we're gonna be doing a biography series with A&E, five different uh, WWE biographies over uh, the next two years. Um, we launched, uh, we announced the, an FS1 show um, that we're gonna be doing in, in conjunction with SmackDown. So there's you know, any number of new opportunities in the Miz and Mrs. just started its second season on USA Network, which is a reality show featuring two of our superstars, Mike Mizanin and his wife, Maurice, and her mother, um, who's French Canadian and honestly steals the show. She's so funny. And to see them all play off one another, it's fantastic. They had a baby. Um, that's a huge part of the show. Maurice is pregnant again. Um, I've actually just found myself totally sucked in watching it, and I'm not a huge reality proponent, but it's it's very entertaining. Uh, then we also have Total Bellas and Total Divas on E! Network, um, and Total Divas is the second longest running reality show on E! behind the Kardashians. Uh, so, you know, from a content standpoint, we really leverage and utilize what you know, our ecosystem is that it combines linear, which we do feel is still incredibly valuable in terms of reaching consumers. It's also what we license all over the world. Uh, and we do have partnerships outside of just our core programming. For example, we did a documentary with HBO, um, HBO Sports on Andre the Giant, and it was their number one most viewed sports documentary in something like 30 years. Um, ESPN, we've partnered with for you know a variety of their different specials. Um, so we really are out there in as many ways as we possibly can. Then we have our AVOD strategy, um, which is of course digital and social, where we've created verticals that are you know not our core competency. So uh, we've have now a gaming vertical with uh, one of our talent called Xavier Woods, whose you know uh, gaming name is Austin Creed. Um, we created a, a vertical, a lifestyle vertical with the Bella Twins, 
And that ha now has over 1.8 million subscribers and reaches a totally different audience than the gaming audience, obviously. Um, you know, and any number, you know, like you said, over a billion social media followers, actually six out of the top 10 most followed female athletes in the world are WWE superstars on Instagram and it's five on the other platforms. So that's, you know, not too shabby. We trend on Twitter every week, 52 weeks a year. Um, you know, and that's because of our strategy, because we are live, because, you know, we never want our audience to disconnect from our stories. We want them to stay engaged. Um, <clears throat> WrestleMania is our Super Bowl. It's our biggest event of the year. You had mentioned over 101,000 people that was at AT&T Stadium. That was a few years ago, just a couple of weeks ago on uh, April 6th or 7th, we were at MetLife Stadium and we had over 80,000 in attendance, broke the gross entertainment record uh, for revenue. And um, you know, not only was it available on uh, on pay-per-view, but also on any streaming device you own through the WWE Network. I'm not sure that many people, I, I kind of scoff at, at the pay-per-view notion, um, but in essence, my father pioneered pay-per-view um, with WrestleMania 1. And it was his vision of how to put WWE on the map, you know, back in the 80s when there was no social media. How are you going to get people from all different water coolers talking about a brand or an event? Um, how are you going to bring people together from all walks of life? So he had Liberace and the Rockettes open the show. He had uh, Cindy Lauper accompany Wendy Richter to the ring for the women's championship. Um, Billy Martin was the, the, the special timekeeper. Muhammad Ali was the special guest referee in the main event. Mr. T competed in the main event who at the time was enjoying Rocky III and uh, an A-team fame. And my parents mortgaged everything they owned to make WrestleMania one happen. And, uh, and that was a huge calculated risk on their part, um, but believing in themselves so much uh, to be willing to take that risk and bet on themselves that they could make this event the success that it was. And it was available on closed circuit television ultimately pioneering the pay-per-view industry, which we then disrupted when we launched the WWE Network. We disrupted our, our own pay-per-view business and um, it took a little while, but we more than doubled the revenue of, of that business and um, it was a success for us. So again, always trying to reach our consumer, always trying to give them an experience that's worthy of their passion. Um, and then you take our, you know, over 200 individual superstar IPs, um, and you think about the fact that each and every one of those talent are their own brands and all of the different opportunities around that. Our performance center, um, which we are now uh, launching all over the world, um, but our first model was in Orlando, Florida, is in Orlando, Florida. And, um, you know, not only are we training talent to be the best in-ring performers they can be, we're teaching them um, also, we have something called the Content Innovation Lab, and I feel like I'm just a talking head here, but I'm going to keep going. Um, and uh, we're, we're actually training our performers to be their own content creators, uh, to be their own, they're called predators now, producers and editors, uh, especially in this digital and social world. I mean, it's amazing the, the engagement that you can create with an audience online. Um, and plus that's, you know, where the younger generations are. You, you have to find a way to reach them on the platforms that they use in a way that they want to consume it. Um, so I think, you know, that's, that's a lot. Uh, please let me know. We have over uh, 200 um, 
you know, blue chip partners that we work with that we um, were able to get in terms of our partnership with NBCU. And we look forward to growing that now with our partnership with Fox. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot. I've, I'm sure I'm missing something. But oh, yeah, our other performance center that we launched is in the UK uh, with a brand that that we launched called NXT UK. And, um, you know, we're looking at replicating that because it's a, it's a term actually my husband, who's also in the business, this is a real family business, um, he calls global localization. And it's basically um, taking what works here in the States and recreating it, but with local stars and local content, ultimately all feeding into the main rosters of Ron Smackdown and diversifying our content. Stephanie, it's an insane journey. I mean, I love the fact that you use SmackDown like we use Synergy, right? Or a business term. I mean, it's part of your vocabulary. Anybody who didn't really know you would think for the last, you know, couple of minutes you were just the chief brand officer, but you have this whole other persona. You are a world-renowned wrestler. You have a bad, evil corporate persona in the ring. Talk a bit about that. Talk about your role as a famed female wrestler and how you balance kind of being the antagonist in the workplace, but being a principled leader in the office where, or in the ring in the office where you really care about culture and mission and values and lifting people. Talk a bit about how you kind of um, bring those together or do you keep them separate? I think I would have to keep them separate, uh, but you know, and, and I would love to say that I'm a famed wrestler. I have wrestled a few times. Well, I don't the know slapper, that I'm right? <laughs> the slapper, right? The slapper. But I'm certainly a character on the show, right? And uh, I am the boss's daughter, but I play the boss's daughter. I play the evil boss's daughter. This you know maniacal egomaniac who's always out um, to do what's best for business, but what ultimately seems to serve my best interests, uh, mine and my husband's. Um, my whole family is a part of the show. My father, my brother, my husband, um, we've all been characters. It's just kind of the way that, I don't know, I've grown up in the business. We all wear so many hats in life. Um, I think that I just have the advantage of being able to take out some of my frustrations by playing the evil persona that, um, you know, a lot of us witness in many different forms um, throughout our lives. Uh, I basically play into the stereotype that everybody wants me to be, and it's so much fun. The audience loves to have fun. You know, they love to give you a hard time, and and you have to be quick and and be able to give it back to them. And that's when it's the most engaging. You know, and um, you want to be able to surprise and delight your fans, and uh, you want to be able to have fun with them because at the end of the day, you know, that's what it's all about. Stephanie, take us a bit behind the scenes in the writer's room. You mentioned a couple times the power of storytelling and one of your expertises is that and giving your fans what they want. What, do your, what does your average viewer not know about how the process works, the storytelling and how you listen to social for your plots? Walk us behind sure. the curtain, so to so, speak. Um, at any given time, we have between 30 to 40 writers across all different walks of writing. Um, because WWE is the ultimate variety show. It's like a live action adventure soap opera. We need to have larger than life characters with relatable storylines so that people care. You know, ultimately you need people to care to want to see who wins or loses so much so that they're willing to pay to see it on the network or at a live event or, you know, what have you, whatever platform. Um, so the creative writing process actually starts um, a year out. 
So we plan from WrestleMania to WrestleMania. We have anywhere from 12 to 14 um, big events that we still call pay-per-views. We haven't rebranded them streaming specials yet. Um, we do say, you know, streaming on WWE Network, but we we still use that pay-per-view branding because it's still relevant to our audience. I'm not sure at what point we're going to evolve past that. Um, but we have 12 to 14 of these key tentpole events that happen pretty much every month, sometimes twice a month. And uh, basically then our television programming for three to four weeks then builds to that big tentpole, but ultimately all of it arcs to the annual WrestleMania event. Um, so it's, you know, I'm gonna use my hands for visuals cause I talk with my hands, but so it's a lot of mini story arcs that then tie to the pay-per-views that then tie to WrestleMania and everything is geared towards WrestleMania. So you might have, uh, you know, a television show, a series that's, you know, 12 to 13 weeks and the ultimate payoff is then, you know, at the end of that 12 to 13 weeks. But for us, it's 52 weeks. You know, that's how long our season is. That's how long our, our storytelling arc goes. You mentioned your father early on, Vince McMahon, a household name, you know, a famed business leader. Your mother also is a famed business leader, you know, just stepped down from the current administration. What are some of the leadership lessons you learned from your parents that you now implement in your corporate role as chief branding officer? Um, chief brand officer. Chief brand officer. Uh, there's no ING, but that's okay. Brand. Uh, so I, there's so many leadership lessons that my parents have taught me along the way. And I think that, oh, leadership by example, of course, and listening is one that just always sticks in my gut because you need to listen to your teams. You need to listen to your people. Um, I actually got some coaching advice once from from a person who coaches CEOs and I asked you know what what would be your number one piece of advice and he said talk to your employees when you're in the elevator if you don't know someone introduce yourself and then ask them in those five minutes what are their biggest challenges what are they working on you know what are their goals and if you have those kinds of conversations on a regular basis you'll learn a lot about your company you know, not just what's presented to you by your executive leadership team, but really by the people who are working there at all levels. And I thought that that was really sound advice and it really coincides with what my parents have taught me, which is you really have to listen. Um, I think empowering your teams is so important. It's a mistake that I made early on. I was uh, micromanaging and I was called on the carpet for it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it's, something that's easy, it's an easy trap to fall into, particularly when you're a young, inexperienced executive mm -hmm. and you just want to deliver and you feel like you have to stay on top of everything all the time to make sure that you're delivering on your results. And what you do when you do that is you suck the energy and the life out of your team. It seems as though you don't trust them. Um, you're not listening to them. You don't think they have any good ideas. It's just all negative. And, uh, and that was a really hard, very important lesson for me to learn. Um, you always want to hire people smarter than you. You want to hire people that you want to work for. Uh, and I've actually heard Mark Zuckerberg say that as well. And when I call him Vincent Business, he's dad at home. But when he first taught me that, I didn't totally get it, you know, and, and it took me a little while. You know, sometimes I'm not the fastest and, uh, and finally I got it and I realized how smart it was. 
you know, that you really want to hire somebody that you would want to work for. And, you know, so at any rate, those are, those are just some of the, of the leadership sure. values that, that my parents have taught me and that I've learned along the way. There's, of course, many, many more, but those are some of the top ones. Stephanie, is it safe to assume there are some parallels on the plot and the storyline in the ring that you also see and experience in work life and out in the marketplace? Do you draw your stories from what's happening in the news as well? Oh, so I never did answer that part of your question um, as it relates to the writing of the shows. So we do, you know, in essence, every live event that we have is like a focus group of five to 10,000 people or, or for our bigger events, you know, our stadium events, much larger audience. Um, 80 to 100,000 people, but they tell you what they like, what they don't like, and what they don't care about. Um, they vote with their wallet for consumer products, for merchandise, etc. Um, they also are very vocal on social media, and any brand, regardless of how much money you have, can listen on social media. There are so many different types of metrics out there. I think sometimes people get overwhelmed by the amount of data that comes in, but all you need to do is to be able to synthesize the key themes. Right, because hopefully out of all of that feedback, there will be some key themes that emerge and that's what you really need to focus on, or at least that's what we focus on. Um, and of course, all of the data and analytics that we get through WW Network and all of our different um, sources of information, because we now have over 10 million user accounts for our fan base, um, where we are looking at the best possible ways to synthesize this information to again provide a customized and personalized experience for them that delivers on, on their expectations and hopefully more over delivers. Uh, we have over 60 data scientists that are currently working for us right now and that is only continuing to grow. Um, you know, it, it's important to listen in as many different ways as you possibly can, not just to your employees, but especially to your consumers, to your audience, and then empower them. Um, let them know that their voice matters and take action on what they tell you. Also take ownership. I mean, if you make a mistake as a company, that's going to happen. You need to own it. Don't try to hide from it. Say, you know what, we screwed up and here's what we're going to do to fix it. And I'm sorry. Most of the time, your fans will forgive you for that. Your consumers will forgive you. If you try to lie, if you try to cover it up, they'll never forgive you for that because then you lose their trust. You know, it's like any relationship. Um, in terms of empowering your audience, and I'll get back to your question about are there parallels of storylines? Um, but in terms of empowering your audience, we had um, a whole movement that happened in our business because of our fan base, because they started a hashtag called Give Divas a Chance, mm -hmm. which trended worldwide for three days and basically demanded more from WWE and how we treated our female performers. And uh, it, the trend was very specific. Fans were asking, you talk about key themes. It was more athleticism, longer matches, better character development, better storylines. And their voices were so loud that Vince, our chairman and CEO responded, we hear you keep watching. And then he used the hashtag give divas a chance. Since then, we rebranded the Divas division to the women's division, unveiled a new championship belt, more akin to the men's, but still very feminine. Our women are now called superstars, same as the men. And they now more regularly headline and main event our television and pay-per-view programs. We had our first ever all women's event called Evolution, 
which just to give you some perspective, it not only did it sell out Nassau Coliseum with over 10,000 people, but it trended number one worldwide for over two and a half hours during the last game of Major League Baseball's World <laughs> Series and That's NFL great. Sunday Night Football. That's great. <laughs> so that gives you a, a little level of, of right. the interest in the success metrics around that particular event. Our women also, just for the first time in 35 years, headlined, main evented WrestleMania, our flagship event. Um, but the best, most impactful story uh, about this, about what the voice of, of your consumers, what the voice of your fans can really do, the impact it can really have when you work together. Um, in Abu Dhabi over a year ago, for the first time our women were allowed to perform. And during the match, a chant broke out with both men and women chanting, this is hope. Hope, um, that's not a typical WWE chant. And there were tears in the eyes of little girls in the front row. And that's what the women's evolution is really all about in WWE. It's having the opportunity to be that change, to be that voice, to listen to your fans. Because of our audience, that chant happened. That moment happened. Um, and that's, that's what it's really, all about in terms of, um, and I say that a lot, that's what it's really all about. I guess that's my tagline. <laughs> um, but when uh, you asked, are there parallels of storylines in, in real life and on TV? Let me just tell you, no storyline could ever come close to what happens in real life. I mean, <laughs> the drama that we all experience on a regular basis and that we all go through on a regular basis, it, it doesn't hold a candle to, to what we could write. There's so many times that something plays out and it's like, you know what, I don't even think I could write that. Um, so as fantastical as the storylines are in WWE, I do think uh, I do think real life can play out in a, a much bigger, more dramatic fashion. So Stephanie, you live these two parallel worlds, right, of celebrity and television and live events and corporate brand officer, cheap brand officer. Um, what do you do to keep the culture healthy inside WWE? How do you help to drive engagement with your people so that they choose and love to come to work there? It's a great question and something that I really want to improve upon, actually. I do think WWE has, you know, we have very strong engagement metrics, but I do want to focus on new ways that we can build engagement opportunities for our employees, whether it's days of service. Um, we do offer opportunities to work with our, you know, any number of our community events, but I think we could do a much better job of that. Um, I also want to find a way because our employees are our chief brand officers, you know, um, it's not just one person's job, it's everybody's job. And every employee is a brand ambassador. Every superstar is a brand ambassador. Right. Everyone pulling cable at our live events um, is a brand ambassador. You know, we're all a part of what we call the WWE universe. And we branded it that way on purpose for anybody who touches or feels or loves WWE because it's inclusive, you know? Um, and that's what, that's what we are. We're inclusive. We're a community. We're like one big giant family. And I think you feel that when you're a part of it. But what, when I talked about the smiles on faces, when I have the chance, you know, to go to a hospital visit or when I, I meet a child from Make-A-Wish or just recently I was 
a part of the Special Olympics World Games. Um, when I have the chance to interact with those athletes or those kids or kids at Boys and Girls Clubs of America, another partner of ours for our anti-bullying campaigns, and I actually feel the hugs or I, I see the smiles on their faces and you feel the impact that you can make on just one person's life. I mean, that is the, the most powerful gift on earth. It's such a privilege. And that smile is, is what all of our members of the WWE universe help contribute to. Um, and I want them to feel that more. And so I'm trying to think of ways that I can help tell those stories on a more yeah, regular basis right. in a way that's not right. a newsletter or that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I, I wanna find a way for them to experience and, and feel those smiles the way that those of us on the road get to, the way our superstars get to. Um, and they do in, in, in their own ways because they're living it and experiencing it. But I, I wanna let them know, you know, the people who are working in IT um, or, you know, who are working in facilities and who aren't necessarily out on the road interacting with our fans, everything they're doing contributes to the smile that's put on someone's face, you know, when we have the opportunity to interact with them. And, um, you know, for example, uh, this year for Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month, we had a partnership with Hyundai and Hyundai has a program called Hope on Wheels. They've raised well over $20 million for pediatric cancer research and not necessarily raised actually because they don't solicit funding. It's a part of um, sales. So uh, they have two youth ambassadors every year um, who are pediatric cancer survivors. And this past September, we had the opportunity to bring these two ambassadors out into the ring and give them championship belts. Their names are Elizabeth and Carter and they're amazing amazing kids and um and their families you know quite frankly and we gave them their championship belts and the entire audience in the arena erupted to their feet and started chanting you deserve it and elizabeth started to cry she was so overwhelmed by the moment and that moment that moment mattered. It, it made such an impact on everyone watching all around the world, on the people you know, who are actually in the audience and had the chance to be a part of supporting that. It mattered to Elizabeth and Carter um, and it mattered to Hyundai. And those are the moments that, that we get to create that I, that I want our universe to feel on a more regular basis. So I think doing more of, of you know, of that type of communication is is one of the things that's so important. You have to make sure your employees feel your brand and know that their contributions matter and make an impact. Um, I think that's how you create a culture, you know, that that is engaged and passionate. And, and I think also is treating everyone with respect. You know, our our core values. You look people in the eye, you shake everyone's hand, you pick up trash that's on the ground, you, you listen to your teams, you motivate and empower them, you make everyone a part of the process, you know, because it, it takes everybody to, to make the machine go. It takes absolutely every single person. Um, and you can't lose sight of that. And you have to also just simply say thank you. Stephanie, our time is ending, but I wanna ask a couple questions. Um, you're a mom. And you have I am three young girls. Very proud mom. And what's it like at the at your house where you know mom is a you know a, a chief officer in a company and dad is a 
fairly well-known wrestler, Triple H, right? What's it like? Yes. It must be chaos and fun and excitement in your house. He now actually runs our entire live event creative and uh, talent development. So he's he has a very busy job in his own right. One of the few athletes that have made a huge um, successful transition to being an executive. But that's another interview for you, I think. Yeah. Um, my kids, you know, they don't know any different. It's the same way as me. I grew up with Vince McMahon as my father. People always ask me, you know, what was that like growing up Vince McMahon's daughter? I don't know any different. You know, he was just my dad and I watched him on TV and that was about it. And people asked him for autographs, you know, when we'd go to the movies or we'd go out to dinner. It was just my world. That was just what I knew. And I think that's how my kids are growing up. You know, it is funny, though, because they sit front row for all of our events. And then we went to a Katy Perry concert for one of my daughter's birthdays and our seats weren't as good. And they called us out on it. Like, well, how come how come we're not in the front row? It's like, well, it, we couldn't actually get the front row tickets for Katy Perry this time. But these are great seats. You know, look at this view you have and blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, it's just it's it is what it is for them, you know, and you just always try to be the example. Uh, you know, and it's hard being a working parent because especially in our business, we have to travel so much. And uh, that's a sacrifice that our kids yeah. make, you know, as as much as we do. And we try to just maximize the time that we have with them. And when we're with them, put our phones down, just listen to what they have to say and give them the attention that they so deserve. Do you um, think your daughters will choose to be in the family business? I don't know. Um, I want to support their passion, whatever makes them happy. Um, and uh, as long as they know how to work hard, because work ethic is incredibly important. You have to you have to be willing to put in the work to make things happen. So what's next for you? Uh, oh, my goodness. What's next for me? I, I don't even know what's next for me. I'm just trying to, uh, you know, do the best job I possibly can and grow the WWE brand. So I, I think um, and be the best mom I can be and the best wife and the best daughter and the best sister and the best, you know, me that I can be for me. You know, I think uh, my goal is to ultimately be the best human being I can possibly be, be the best person I can be. And uh, if I can put a smile on someone's face during the day, um, whether that's a stranger or somebody I know or somebody who's a part of the WWE universe, then that's good enough for me. Stephanie, great conversation. If the wrestling, branding, diva, superstar thing doesn't work out for you. Franklin Covey would love to have you as a leadership consultant for us. So keep awesome, us in mind. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Stephanie McMahon, thank you for your time today. Looking forward to talking to your maybe Triple H in the future, okay? Absolutely. Give him our thank invite. You. Thank you for joining us. And thank you, everybody, for joining this episode of On Leadership. If you're not subscribing, visit franklincovey.com. Click on the tab. The complimentary newsletter comes out every Tuesday via email and includes a video interview like the one today with Stephanie McMahon that can also be consumed on your favorite podcast platforms, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Franklin Covey. Subscribe today, invite your family, your friends, and we'll see you next week back here on Leadership.